1: It is the Nick D Podcast, episode 159 here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, home of the greatest podcasts of all time. You want to check us out, check us out at radiomisfits.com or listen to our live streaming network that goes 24-7 nonstop. It's awesome. It's free. Great music, unheard bands, unheard, uh, unheard music, fantastic stuff, and a whole bunch of amazing episodes of the great podcasts that are available at Radio Misfits. It's all at radiomisfits.live. You can hear this podcast, the Nick D podcast, every day at 3 p.m. Central. And you can hear my other podcast about Saturday Night Live called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, which, by the way, you must subscribe to. And if you're not subscribing to it, there's something wrong with you. Uh, And you can hear that every day at 9 a.m. Central as part of the 24-hour streaming service called Radiomisfits.live. Make sure you tune into that. How are you? I'm Nick. Thank you for listening. Uh, And if you want to be a part of this podcast... Leaving a message, anything you want to say, we encourage it. We want to hear from you. We listen to every single message that comes in the voicemail world. We read every single email that comes in. You got a question. You got a comment. You got a contribution. You just want to tell us a story or anything like that. Call us or email us anytime you want. You got a magic megaphone request. Our voicemail system, 24-7. Call us now or anytime at 773-417-6948. Leave those messages. We love to hear them. Or you can email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs is the man that provides all the crazy themes and the sounds and the audio and the music. And uh, Ed, my main man uh, at Radio Misfits, does all the other work as well. Esmeralda Leon will be joining me. She is my regular buddy and cohort. She will be here, and uh, we are going to talk about uh, some terrible fast food items. And there's one in particular that we're going to lead with, which is a new sandwich item from Burger King in Thailand. We'll talk about that and more food-related stuff. That's with Esmeralda. Uh, By the way, you can see me and Esmeralda live on stage doing a version of this very podcast at the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention, which is the greatest weekend of the year every year. It's a blast if you're a horror movie fan or you just want to go and have fun and see the coolest merchandise and the coolest items. If you want to meet some great celebrities from the world of horror, if you want to meet Sven he's going to be there. Joe Bob Briggs, the legendary drive-in host, Joe Bob Briggs is going to be there. Uh, stars from Scream, stars from T- Terrifier movies, stars from John Carpenter's Christine. There's going to be a concert by my guest who is coming up uh, on this uh, episode, Alan Haworth. Alan Haworth is uh, a musical composer, a sound designer, and an incredible musician who is going to be putting on a concert at Flashback that weekend, consisting of all the great work that he's done with John Carpenter. He did the music, Alan Haworth did the music for Halloween's 2 through 6. He did the music for... Uh, with John Carpenter for, for They Live and Prince of Darkness and, uh, and and so many amazing, amazing films. And he's going to be joining us right after, in fact, right after I, te- uh, after I tell you that you should be congratulated, Alan Haworth is going to be right here on this podcast with us. And I couldn't be more excited. Incredible composer, uh, a, a man who has worked with John Carpenter over the years and just a great dude in general. He's going to be joining us, but he'll be at the Flashback Weekend as well. But we want you to come out and support the podcast. You can be a part of the live podcast we're going to record it it'll be an episode we've got prizes to give away in t-shirts and all kinds of really cool stuff we're going to interact with the audience and talk about scary stuff and movies with you me esmeralda on stage live at the flashback weekend horror convention in the big ballroom saturday afternoon august 5th at 12:30 we want the nick d podcast fans to pack that place come up say hi we'll take pictures and we'll say hello you'll be a part of the podcast forever recorded and uh, you got a chance at winning some prizes. We got big surprise guests that are going to be joining us. Celebrity, horror celebrities. Rich Coe's may stop by. Uh, I think he might. Yeah. Uh, so Sven is going to be there. It's going to be an incredible weekend. And at 1230 on Saturday afternoon, August 5th, me, Esmeralda, on stage, you in the audience, having a great time welcoming special surprise guests uh, from the horror world and doing a really cool podcast as well. So be a part of it. Be there live in the audience. We want the Nick D podcast fans to pack that place Saturday afternoon, 1230, August 5th, Hyatt Regency. O'Hare easy to get to parking all over the place and be a part of the whole flashback weekend from the fourth through the sixth with all the parties and the concerts and the events, all kinds of amazing things happening that whole weekend. And uh, right in the middle of it all, Saturday, August 5th, 1230 in the afternoon, Nick D podcast live from the flashback weekend, get your tickets now and pack the place flashbackweekend.com. It's going to be a blast. We want to meet you and hang out with you. It's going to be good. As I said, Alan Howworth is going to join us, uh, the great composer. Hi, I'm
2: Kerry Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby.
1: Carrie Russell is here. We're all here. We're all here to have a great time on uh, episode 159 of the Nick D podcast. So uh, let's get to it, man. Congratulations is what you need to do, and Alan Howworth is going to join us after you hear this.
2: Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap
3: Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff.
1: So whenever you hear that, you know that you're about to see one of the most legendary and uh, cruelly uh, much maligned movie for many years, <laughs> and, then, and then loved years later. You're about to watch a great film, and that is the music from the opening theme uh, from Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, and uh, the person who uh, co-composed that music Uh, And is also the composer of tons of other music is also an incredible sound designer and a person who's worked in bands and is a great musician and is someone who is appearing at the flashback weekend horror convention the the weekend of August 4th through the 6th and actually doing a concert a live concert at 815 on Saturday the 5th as part of that uh, weekend is the great Alan Howarth, and I could not be more excited to welcome Alan Howarth to the podcast Alan how are you
0: great Nick wonderful to share with you today and excited about coming to chicago
1: yeah flashback weekend it's a great it, you know it's it's a it's a fantastic horror convention uh i'm biased because i've worked with uh, mike and mia who run it for 21 years and i think it's the best horror convention in the country and i know you've been with us you've been with us once before back in 2015 uh, you appeared at flashback
0: i did and uh it was great i had a couple other buddies there other composers uh you know we as the composer we, we don't have a face so the fans don't really know us they'd rather see somebody they've seen on screen and get an autographed picture but uh, the music's getting recognized uh, as an, another element to, to these legendary shows and as you mentioned Halloween 3 I mean yeah that it was it was panned and then it got a second life and then a second look and I think uh, you know it, it's interesting on my on my Spotify and all my uh, Pandora's, the the chariots of pumpkins theme from halloween 3 is the most popular so Isn't as that, synth music yeah uh, you know as, as as sort of this is how you do it kind of stuff from now 30 years ago plus yeah. it's still holding up
1: yeah i mean uh you know it's it's amazing as you know being a part of flashback as i have been for like i said 21 years um, and been a horror fan my entire life. I mean, uh, I, I have to say this, I'll tell you this up front, Alan, I, I, w- I was lucky enough to have interviewed John a couple of times. And, um, I've told him this story when I was 13 years old, I was already a horror fanatic and I saw Halloween for the first time in 1978 and it changed my life. It was the movie that made me want to do something with movies, whether it be review them or, you know, make them or whatever. Uh, it was the first movie where I realized what a director did and, and it was a, it was a life changer for me. So I've been a horror fan my whole life. And I, And I, Halloween 3, on the subject of Halloween 3 really quickly, it's amazing to me because I saw the film the opening weekend with my friends. I was in high school, and I went with my friends to see it, and I was the only one amongst us that loved it. Everybody else hated it. (laughs) And, And then, you know, as the years go by, it's fascinating to watch the horror convention, it's a flashback at least, and to watch how these fans have grown over the years and how it was a movie that most people hated when it came out, and now it's beloved, as you said you know, the most spotified or downloaded of your, of your themes. Isn't that, that's, it's kind of amazing to watch right over the years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I guess it, it takes the test of time to see which, what survives and what doesn't, you know, yeah. Carpenter had the same experience with the thing. Yeah. It's now recognized as the greatest sponsor movie of all time, but yeah. it's funny. Talked to somebody else who had talked to Carpenter about that. He says, John, now finally you're recognized. He goes, yeah, who cares? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that sounds like Carpenter Man. That's <laughs> that sounds so much like it. Well, listen, let's get uh, let's get started with how you got into music. You grew up in and uh, in,
0: you're from Cleveland, are you not? Correct. Yeah, I, I I was born in New Jersey, but sort of my my formulation ninth grade started in North Olmsted High School in in the Cleveland, Ohio area, and so I was connected, and that's where I, I developed who Alan was, and I got involved in the local bands. Uh, this would uh, give you a timeline. This would be 1965. Mm, that's the year of my birth, Alan. That's the year all I was right, born. All right. So, so as, as you were being conceived, I was learning how to play. <laughs> Switch over. Uh, you know, I, I played saxophone in the high school and and school bands because of all the instruments in the band, there was no guitars and no piano. So the next in in the downline was saxophone was a cool thing. So we're ah. sort, of, sort of playing sax. And so got invited to play in a at a sock hop in one, one of the girls that was in, I was an art student. So music was a sideline. Uh, so I thought I was going to be a sculptor painter kid. And uh, as we turns out, uh, we could talk about it, that, that, that sprung up again when it was time to make sound and music for movies. The visual part of me kicked in, which was, was latent while I was being a rock and roll guy and growing my hair down to the middle of my back.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. So you well, let's talk a little bit about that. You started out as an art student. Um, can you remember what triggered that for you? What made you want to get into art or study art or be an artist in that regard?
0: Well, I'll get sort of sort of metaphysical here. In, in the what do you want to do with your life things, um, we're in a creation, right? Yeah. We're experiencing the third dimension, some some infinite mind conceived all of what we experience, and we're now as a little probe experiencing the Creator's creation. So for me, the highest cool thing to do was to create more things. Gotcha. And, and so art and crayons and pencils and all that other stuff was uh, the first contact to create things. And I was really good at drawing pictures and and make, making things and painting and stuff like that. And as a so that was my primary. I really want to do that there was a little secondary thread. Uh, I love trains. And, you know, in my childhood, there was the transition from steam to diesel and electric and the big mechanical parts of locomotives I got to experience in real time. Uh, In in Sarahville, New Jersey, there was a place where the trains came in with steam engines and they got uncoupled and it got hooked up to electric engines to go into New York so that was another thread so i wanted to be an engineer and then in the background my dad had a, an old accordion up in the attic that i i discovered and started fooling around with the accordion so at five i started with accordion lessons which i played polkas at the time yeah. but nonetheless, the, these are all the seeds that were planted in a, in a little five six seven year old kid and so the 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 next step so I was always drawing and stuff like that. Then you know I get to the third grade and you know the the school bands are forming and so looking at what instruments were in the school bands I liked the bassoon but that was pointless. So saxophone <laughs> was the only thing that, that that made sense so I started playing saxophone. So I played saxophone in the high school band and school bands, but still was the art student by by my junior year I was the president of the art club. I was the one Guy that or the one student that looked like, all right, this guy's talented enough, he's going to be a professional artist. There were a couple other other ladies that were super talented too. And one of the members of the art club, her boyfriend had a band, and I got invited to sit in and play dance band music because you know I played the saxophone. So da 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 Yeah. At the end of the night, her her friend, her boyfriend Dave. Uh, it was a sock hop at Magnificat High School in, in the Cleveland area, girls, girls' Catholic school. And he handed me $80, and my eyes went wide. <sighs> like, whoa. <laughs> I sat here for three hours and made 80 bucks. Hell with art. I'm going from you. <laughs> that's it, man.
1: Uh, 80 bucks is a lot of money in the 1960s, man.
0: That's that's oh, Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this is like, that was a cool thing to do. Yeah. And, and it turns out that Dave, besides his little dance band, was forming a rock band and, and there was an opportunity to become a bass player. So I pestered my mom and got $100 out of her to go buy a, a Kingston you know, off-brand bass guitar at D. Fiora's Music in, in the Cleveland area and got my Sears and Roebuck oh, yeah. uh, bass amp yeah. and I was a bass player. So I quickly learned enough bass to be a bass player and started playing bass in local bands. Mm-hmm. And sort of through a series of, of bouncing arounds, I wound up in what was one of the most popular, I'll call it rock band, you know, school band, uh, you know, two guitars and a bass and a keyboard and, sure. and a drummer thing called the Tree Stumps. Oh, and that's, the tree that's stumps, great. Wait, I'm sorry.
1: Where did the name come from? How did the. <laughs> uh,
0: well, actually, the founder of the Tree Stumps was a fellow, Mike Hay. He's still around. Um, and so there, there was. There was a a personnel change and they needed a bass player so i got invited to be the bass player in the tree stumps and think about this this is now we're we're made it to 1966 now okay and this band the tree stumps is is drawing like a thousand kids to these dances school dances in the summertime i mean they they become real popular and we were one of the first Beatle bands right yeah Uh, prior to that dave's bands would play what we called greaser music, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, um, Jerry g Jerry Lee Lewis and, right. and you know, the the older rock stuff and some Elvis songs, but this was sort sort of the up and coming. Uh, it was called the Greasers, and then we were the Surfers. Was the not? It was before hippies yet. Yeah. So we were Surfers, the uh, the other group, the the ones that didn't grease their hair back and didn't didn't get drunk on 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 beer every. Friday and Saturday, right? And so that that was the thread. Got into the tree stumps, and the tree stumps played Beatles songs and Rolling Stones, and and what was going to be, you know, the the next wave of music. Right. Uh, At a a certain point, the tree stumps actually made a record on our own label, and that got got us popular enough to where we opened for Paul Revere and the Raiders at Public Hall in Cleveland because we won a battle of the bands. And that, that, that was another little kick to get started. And then uh, through a series of who, what music, et cetera, kind of thing, we added a, a lead singer to the Tree Stumps, a fellow named Woody Leffel. And Woody was one of the most talented of the time singers. Like he could easily outrun Jim Morrison or or Plank. Or, uh, he could sing all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And eventually,
2: yeah. he, he became famous
0: in a band called Brankist. Uh, you know, another thread that went off in its, its direction. But out of the tree stumps and, and the various changes, eventually, yeah. uh, the tree stumps were produced by a producer named Bill Simzik. Uh, at the same time, he was also producing The James Gang. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so the, the, the tree stumps name got changed to The Silk, the bass player now became a fellow who eventually surfaced as Michael Stanley, who was a big artist. Oh yeah. In in the area. So Michael Stanley is the one guy who sort of made it out of yeah. the tree thread. Everybody else did did okay and still does what they do, but he was the guy who made it national. And so the, the producer was Bill Simzik, and Bill Simzik goes on to do produce the Eagles, and that's the thread that got Joe Walsh from the James gang to the Eagles. Isn't that amazing. Wow. So, so hey, but, those, but well, by the way, that's, that's our lineage or our, our block diagram of, of <laughs> all that stuff happened. <laughs> Meanwhile, Alan, Alan himself jumps off into creating original music. Cause that was the big thing. I got to write my own music and et cetera, et cetera. I had a band called that we called braino and Brano was sort of the pink Floyd of Cleveland in in the day, 1973, two, three, four ish. And we were a house band of a in a bar called the Smiling Dog Saloon. Owner of the Smiling Dog Saloon was booking jazz acts. So his his thing was he would book bands, you know, national level bands, uh, Chick Korea, Miles Davis, et cetera, et cetera, on their on going from New York to Chicago, and he'd grab them for the midweek sort of like Wednesday, Thursday gigs at the Smiling Dog Saloon in this funky place in Cleveland my band braino which was the pink floyd band we were the house band so we had every tuesday and we set up we were already in quadraphonic our our sound guy brian risner had tape cues and echoes and all this other stuff and one of the bands that came through was weather report so we used our braino sound system on weather report and we gave them echoes and all kinds of stuff and at the end of the night they went who are these guys (laughs) like what is this? <laughs> and so, so, so the, the fellow named Roger Baum, uh, recommended that, that weather report, cause they were still setting up their own gear. I mean, here's Joe's Alvino setting up his, his yeah. Farfisa organ and his roads and stuff like that. So you should take one of these guys on the road. Well, I had a job at that music store at Fiori, So, so Brian Risner actually went out with weather report. This would be 72. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lock on target. And, uh, so several <laughs> years later, and, you know, I to, Brian's my buddy, and he's out with Weather Report. It gets to be a 76. Weather Report puts out the Heavy Weather album and has a hit with Birdland. Right. And now they're ready to be going to a, a national and world tour. And now Joe Zavanu, the keyboard player's rig, has gone from a Farfisa and a Rhodes to two ARP 2600s and Oberheim, uh, you know, the Rhodes piano. and And so Brian said, hey, you want to come out on the road with Weather Report? And you, you, you support Joe's gigs. You'd be the the keyboard roadie, right? No, I was all for that. So, uh, joined weather report, did four years of weather report, which got me from Cleveland to Los Angeles and then 1979, another little twink in the, in the thread of what's happening, another Cleveland buddy named Pax Lemon has now moved to Los Angeles and he's working at paramount pictures in the transfer bay and And there's two guys, two sound effects editors, Richard Anderson and Stephen Flick, are talking about how they need somebody who knows about synthesizers for this movie they're working on. Well, Pax turns around and goes, oh, man, you got to talk to my Alan, man. He knows all about synthesizers. He works for Weather Report. (laughs) And they look at him and they go, Weather Report, is that the one at 7 o'clock or 11 (laughs) o'clock? They don't know. But nonetheless, he promoted me enough. And they were looking for somebody. They gave my number. I I get a call. I go down to meet them. So, all right, Alan, uh, you know, I heard about synthesizers. We're doing this movie, Star Trek, the motion picture. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, <laughs> you, well, you know, we'd love to see what you can do. Will you make an audition tape? And I go, yeah, what do you want? And he says, well, make us the sound of the Starship Enterprise going from warp one to warp seven, which is a scene in the upcoming movie. And this is early on. There's not, you know, the visual effects aren't created, but there's a trailer that needs to be made. So I, I, I make the sound of the Starship Enterprise in my mind on a little Prophet 5 synthesizer using the Polymod, and I dial up this tone. And I, I my audition tape, I, I thought, well, to make just warp one, one to seven, it, you just can go, it'll be over too soon. So I made this sound that sort of like did a little bit and another layer and another Well, I turned in that audition tape and it became the sound of the Enterprise. Amazing. That. That's amazing. So, so that jumped me from weather report to Star Trek, right? And this is what I mentioned about the visual. It turned out that if you give me an image, something to see, I can connect the sound to that image. Just in my talent pool. So, and that and,
1: and that is the that covers. I mean, because you do incredible sound design, and so that's the that that goes back to your art uh, uh, interests. You know, when you were it, it, younger. Yeah. Um, and because your, your sound design has been award-winning you, teams of, uh, uh, teams that you've worked with on sound effects or not just sound, but total sound design have won Oscars, um, yeah. in films. Um, and so not only did you get to do the composing thing, but then the art thing came back into it with your sound design. That's fascinating. Can I ask you a quick question before we move on? Yeah. Uh, are the, is that tree stumps record out there somewhere? Can
0: we get it anywhere? <laughs> yeah. It's called the, the song is called Jenny Lee. Okay. And there's a flip side called "Listen to Love," It was just a single. Yeah, forty-five then, yeah. It was a forty-five. You could probably dredge it up somewhere. Okay,
1: well, I've marked it down, Alan, and now I'm going to search for it. I'm going to find it. So,
0: Jenny Lee was da 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 Jenny Lee da 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 da, and composed by Ron Jankowski. The other part of the Tree Stumps Stable was Russ and Ron Jankowski who were the the founding members with Mike Hay. So eventually Mike Hay went to the army and the Jankowskis ran with it. And then there was another key player named fellow named Courtney Johns who was the drummer. Yeah. And and so but there was two brothers and this is, I don't know we'll jump back. The two brothers were the Jankowskis. And then they thought that I looked very similar to Courtney Johns. So it looked like there was two pairs of two two brothers in the trecents at the time. So I I fit not only musically, but visually, but visually, that's great.
1: You know, um, you were talking about like, we were going to get a little bit metaphysical. Did you, did you start getting into metaphysical angles or that kind of thing when you were younger? It sounds like you did. Were you fascinated by the world that we live in and trying to find answers and things like that? Did that fascinate you from the get go when you were young?
0: Yeah, there was, there was something about me. I mean, of course, we know about church and all this other stuff. And yeah, those things and and i believed what can i say i believe there's something to to this there's more than than just the physical Mm -hmm. and you know looking at the stars and you know so i'll say and at the time looking like i was spaced out right i was interested in all that other stuff sure sure and then certainly that comes up again if we want to touch into that what happened later on in life i have a whole thing with pyramids and frequencies and sacred geometry and a lot of the stuff that's now becoming popular at the time it was quote, esoteric or hidden. But, uh, let me just finish one, one part of the story. So, sure, of course. So, so, all right. So Star Trek to motion picture, the picture editor is a fellow named Todd Ramsey and his next assignment is a there movie called go. escape from New York. Yep. And I had promoted myself as a musician to Todd and he liked me. And so I originally was cast as, uh, a sound effects person to do futuristic sounds for escape from new york and then there was an opportunity uh carpenter had worked with a fellow named uh, dan wyman at a studio called sound arts and i don't know the dynamics there but there was it was an opportunity for john to quote see what else is out there and so todd said you know you to carpenter he said you know you should meet this guy alan he's a pretty cool i bet you guys get along well we're the same age um he, I'm Ohio he's Kentucky so we have similar cultural backgrounds yeah so John came over to my little Star Trek sound design studio and we sat there for about three hours and I played him sounds and I had all my synths set up and and at the time it was uh you know analog tape recordings there was no digital anything uh we sat hung out for about three hours and then we goes John goes yeah let's do it so my first film score is now working with John Carpenter on Escape from New York
1: that's amazing
0: so so John Carpenter's arts, all his movies, and then Star Trek were like the two pillars of my Hollywood 80s career. And then hung you, you know on that, you hang all the rest of the stuff, whether it's Raiders of the Lost Ark or Back to the Future or Hunt for Red October or Dracula. All those were people that I met either as a sound effects community or being with John Carpenter. And it worked out great because he didn't want to know anything about the technical and I was totally into it. I mean, I mean I'm down to circuit boards, right? right? So I, I had the studio at my house. So the idea was he would bring his move over, hang out with me, and we would create the music for his movies. And and he was That's... totally comfortable with that. So I wound up doing, you know, Escape from New York. Then we did uh, interesting at the end of Escape from New York, where we're doing a final mix on a couple things sitting there and he looks over and he goes, Hey, Alan, you know, uh, my, I, I'm going to be doing this movie, the thing, and they want to make another Halloween. I'm going to be too busy. You do Halloween. So just like a little class assignment, he handed off Halloween to me because he was going to be too busy. Yeah. So, so that became the score to Halloween 2, which I took Carpenter's original Halloween 1 16 track analog recording, transferred it to an analog 24 <laughs> track, so I had open tracks, and then I just basically played on top of him for Halloween 2. So Know that it's iconic music, but I gave it a new texture, a new synth yeah. depth in, yeah. in my in my quote as a sound design person. And there was a couple of music cues that that were new to Halloween two that I got to write some music too. Yeah, but that that sort of pinned on Halloween two as another opportunity. When we got to Halloween three, which we're talking about, uh, they were they were looking to depart from Hol- Michael Myers was quote dead at the end of Halloween two. And so Carpenter and Deborah Hill wanted to, to branch off and do Halloween-themed stuff, hence right. Halloween 3. Right. And so that was launched, and it was interesting. Uh, Carpenter sits down with me to do the music for Halloween 3. He looks at me and he goes, Alan, this is going to be real easy. All we got to do is rip ourselves off. <laughs> which, which is he, what he was saying, based on what we did in Escape New York, I had fun doing that. Let's just let's pick up from there and keep going. So we listened to the latest Tangerine Dream record for the latest – synth textures because they were they were the guys that were doing the they were in the same wheelhouse let's put it that way yeah yeah and and we we set off and and halloween three was halloween ish but its own original score and direction and movie oh absolutely yeah so, and, and as we as we discussed, Halloween 3 still exists. It's, st- it's w- withstood this test of time in the world of synth and score. And what do you do for a horror movie? And uh, it holds up.
1: Yeah, it does. Now, you know, being, you know, uh, into the tech stuff, um, you know, and being the sound geek and guy that you are, um, it must be astonishing to you to see how far we've come in terms of technology to create music and to create sound. I mean, the, the digital, the stuff that we can do now, uh, you know, being a part of it right at the beginning, uh, tell me a little bit about what that journey is like in terms of all the technology and all the, you know, the incredible inventions and, and and things that have happened over the years from changing to analog to digital and even further. How's that been, how, how, how has that been, been to ride that wave?
0: Well, certainly I devour all of it. I'm into it, you know, yeah. whatever the newest, latest, coolest, and for a long time, I was the cutting edge. Now it's expanded beyond. I can't even keep up. You know, it's yeah. Uh, I, and and I'm out of the driver's seat and sort of in the, on the bus. <laughs> there's these young guys that know code and have imaginations and talents that that are beyond my skill set, and I'll acknowledge that. Yeah. But it, you know, I'll give you a short story about all all that stuff. I, I was having lunch with Brian Eno. Oh man! And yeah. Talking about producing records you know he, a lot of people invite him in to be the producer some, and some so he says what he does with a, a new band is at, at the beginning they establish what technology they're going to use and then they limit it to that technology the idea that 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 in the old days when we only had so many tools we had to make it with what we had there was a there was a, sort of a push to be creative." and make what you had do more than what you thought it could do. Mm -hmm. And so now in the modern times where we are now, we have this infinite possibilities. And and so in some ways, uh, a, a person that's not familiar with all this stuff will jump in, and it's easy to get lost and just caught into, how about this, and how about this, and how about this, and let's try this. And he goes, no, 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 no. We're going to either use real drums or not if it's going to be drums real stuff it's going to be all simplified or it's going to be live band or whatever but we're going to we're going to small the box and frame it and make make us get as a band get more out of this limited limitation than the the infinite possibilities yeah. and he says it makes a better record uh, so so that's just his thread and I'm, I'm going to say the same thing i mean all right back to back to let's just picture alan in a little dining room studio It's 1980, 81, 82. It's Prophet 5, ARP Quadra, ARP Avatars, which are basically Odysseys. It's also a guitar synth, vocoders, reverbs, echoes, but no digital anything. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: A loop was literally a piece of tape that was spliced to loop. Right. And I ran you know, the, 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 the tape itself would come off the tape recorder and go around a couple of mic strands around the room and come back in. Oh man. <laughs> you know, because that was a loop. Yeah. And and, and my main pallet was a, a TAC eight track eighty uh, eight that had been modified for to, to for the very speed to go from zero to to I don't know, almost to full, you know, rewind speed. On a dial, so that was my that was my very speed analog eight track palette that I built a lot of stuff on. Uh, as as my my what you do now to speed things up and slow them down, everything I was doing it with tape, uh, which is a technique, you know. And and yeah. now now and in and in, in, you know in, in digital you can separate the 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 pitch and the speed separately. But there is one little checkbox you can do. make make that the speed and the and the pitch change just like an old tape recorder yeah well it's an effect it's a sound i mean this is this is the technique so i say that being a more senior person i mean i'm I, i'm proud to be old now mm-hmm. to, to be old is to why to be wise and have been there done that uh, i'll be 75 actually next month mm-hmm. so i'm going for my my uh my fourth quarter of life right Look at that, yeah. if I make it to 100 this is like the, you know, 75 to, to 100 is the last quarter of the game yeah so been there done that got the t-shirt etc <laughs> but not gonna stop I love what I'm doing retirement is is not in my in my wheelhouse I'm gonna just die doing what I do Doing, making yeah, music, fine, and, and doing
1: that. Yeah. Well, it's well, we're happy for it. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're still that you're still doing what you're doing. Now, I want to get back into the scores and things like that, and some of the other perfect. stories that you, that you might have. But, um, in terms of like, um, uh, like multi-channel surround sound, sound, uh, like I, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, for instance, Alan, uh, a local theater here in Chicago called the Music Box Theater, which is um uh, an independently run, amazing theater here that shows revivals, and, and they currently are doing a 70 millimeter film festival. Mm-hmm. um because of uh Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer which opens on uh Friday. And so in preparation for that they're throwing they're showing some old 70mm. So I saw some films in 70mm yesterday and the sound was amazing. And when you go to a modern theater now and you hear this, you know, the the DTS sound and all the other how do you feel about that? And and, and um I mean cuz now going to a movie and you get the surround sound is amazing. And th- and all of that I remember that starting that whole like, feeling of just being immersed in sound, uh, mm-hmm. I remember that starting in the 70s. I remember seeing um, Apocalypse Now and thinking the helicopters were in the room. I remember the opening of Apocalypse sure. Now, and I was just like, oh, my God. And I remember specifically one that really like blew my mind was Suspiria. When I saw Suspiria the first time in 1977 in a huge grindhouse theater in downtown Chicago— I remember walking out of that movie going. I've never heard anything like that in my life. Can you remember sort of those groundbreaking films that that of those days? And then, how do you feel about the incredible sort of sound design that you get when you go to a movie theater now?
0: Oh well, you know, it's remember when I first did the first Star Trek. It was in mono. Yeah, yeah. And then we went to stereo. In fact, one of the groundbreaking movies of stereo was Escape from New York.
1: Escape from New York, yeah
0: because what happened as a, as a release is, you know, you were delivering it in as an optical soundtrack. You know, it was a, it was a a reader on the camera. So you had to issue two prints. You you issued your stereo print and your mono print. And Escape from New York was one of the first stereo mixes to go out there. So yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And and if you're talking about that, uh, the mono soundtrack was sort of black and white it had no spatial it was just the volumes were were set to to be what it is although we have now software to split that back into an immersive track now there's, there's mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. uh, but I, I tracked all this stuff so from the mono to the stereo to the surround um actually we got a, an academy award for the hunt for red october for best sound effects and that was one of the first what they call six channel it had split surround so it actually had left center right uh, on the screen, three channels, uh, left and right, stereo in the house, and a, and a bass channel. So it was six-channel stereo, called stereo, stereo six-channel um, surround sound. Yeah, And then I actually got in a project in the mid-'90s called Dimension Audio. It was pioneered by a fellow named uh, Steve Taylor, who was from Mark Levinson Sound, and he was a techno guy. And he pitched the idea of, Alan, what would it take to make the sound you hear in reality? Okay, Hmm. well, the short version of that is, well, we would just put a speaker everywhere. We'd coat the whole room in speakers. Yeah. And that's what we kind of have now. So I pioneered uh, the first Dimension Audio soundtrack was in in surround terms, we would call it it was a 48.6. So I had 48 speakers coating the whole theater. I had quadraphonic subwoofers and also a stereo floor where we actually put a thing called butt kicker. So the floor vibrated. Oh, man. this was immersion sound. I mean, big yeah. time. Yeah. But there was no there was no release format. And the first It's funny, the first client was Trinity Broadcasting. Paul Crouch was the leader. And he used to be an old radio guy. And when he heard it, he wanted it. So we built four immersion soundtrack, immersion theaters for Trinity Broadcasting. And we made Jesus movies. And for him, it was part of the ministry. His, his theory was, well, the, the, the kids think our TV show is corny. We can't get them in church. Let's make a high-tech movie wow. and have do our ministry in high-tech. So that was really pioneering. This would be 1997, eight, 9. Yeah. And it was before the technology. And as a sound designer, this is where we're going with this, it was the ultimate palette. It, you know, consider that mono is black and white, And now forty-eight channels of audio immersion is like full. Yeah. You know, a million million possibilities. And the technology didn't exist yet. I I had a big sound, a big machine called a synclavier, which was sort of the big dog digital uh system of the day. It cost me like four hundred thousand dollars. And I made it on a synclavier because that was the only thing software-wise that could support all those multi-channels. And even that was I had 32 outputs, and I'm doing 42, 48 channels plus. So there was multiple passes into tape recorders, and still, you know, pioneering this stuff. The interesting part of my story is in 2001, I was invited to show this immersive 48 channel thing off in miniature at AES in, two th- in at AES in Los Angeles, and so we had like a, a two-car garage size thing. I used little Genelec speakers and a vibrating floor. I had two people that came to see the demo which were super significant the first one was a fellow named rupert neve those are our boys out there neve was the guy who designed all the beautiful analog consoles of english you know since the 60s he was the guy yeah he came in and listened to and his wow this is amazing this is great so as an artist i had created this immersive thing but there was you know other than the playback that was it the other attendee was ray dolby Ray Dolby goes on. He listens to it. He gives me the big wow, two thumbs up, and his or his comment. Young man, you have no idea what an ambitious project this will be.
1: (laughs) To hear that from a guy whose last name is Dolby, there's something right there. He is
0: the guy. He's Dolby. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Magic Leap. Okay, tell me about Magic Leap.
0: All right, so I got invited to be part of Magic Leap. This is Augmented Reality so this experience is uh unlike virtual reality where you you get you put on headsets or you know so goggles and headsets and you go to a a digital space you're no longer in the room you're in you've gone to this other place augmented reality is now staying in the room putting on glasses and seeing holograms projected into the room with you and spatially all correct so it knows where the tables and the chairs and the doors and the windows are and if you have a holographic image projected into the room one visually it's locked in space like when you t- turn your head it'll still stay on the table right it'll, it'll stay where it's supposed to be because the computer knows and the challenge was to make audio that went with that object so when you turned your head it panned correctly and spatially correctly so you still thought the sound was with that projected hologram that's not really there but it's spatially computed oh, wow. so i got into spatially computed immersive sound and i did this project for the last five years and then this is stuff that just it's a new platform that's not been exploited at all for our, our younger geekazoids out there what's next what's the coolest thing possible augmented reality immersive audio is is lays weights for your guys imagination that's all yeah. i can say
1: are you no so what do we have in store for us at the show uh, at flashback weekend um, I know we're going to hear a bunch of a, a bunch of great themes from a lot of the incredible uh, scores that you've done over the years uh, by on your own and with with Carpenter. And this again is going to be a part of the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention August 4th through the 6th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Get your tickets at flashbackweekend.com. And the concert is going to be at 8:15 on Saturday August 5th at Flashback. Um what kind of uh, what kind of stuff are we going to expect uh, to hear and see there?
0: All right, well, because I'm a solo performer, um, although I do have a band, but it's outside of the budget for what we're doing. Um, basically, I'm there with my laptop, my keyboard, and my guitar, and I have a projection of the various music clips visually. And I have a, a, a VJ, a very talented lady named Jade Boyd, who sort of VJs the videos. But then I go through what I'll call the greatest hits of my work with Carpenter. So, will Halloween 3, Escape from New York, They Live, Christine... Uh, Halloween two, three, four, five, six little bits and pieces. Yeah. Uh, big trouble in little China. Um, I actually do a little thing from the thing, even though it's not my music, it's, it's part of the vibe. Yeah. And then some other solo scores I did after Carpenter, I have a movie called lost empire another another called, uh, retribution. And I have one that I just got coming out this fall called from the shadows, which came out really good. So I'm going to drop a clip on that in there. Nice. And then also in addition, we have reunions of Halloween two personalities and right. pristine cast. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I, I, I'm handling all of that stuff. I'll be I'll be the cause I'm a moderator and a QA guy and a host and, I, and I'm handling anytime there's a carpenter related thing at Flashback, uh, I get it. <laughs> I get to I get oh. to do it. And so like when Leo Rossi and Lance they are there from Halloween two, I'm gonna handle their stuff. And uh, you know, um, and and the guys from uh, Christine and the car is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be amazing. So, you're, so you 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 get to hang out with those. You get to
0: see those guys for 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 the weekend as well. Yeah, hang with them. I'll probably get. I'll probably sit in on the panel and tell a, a little sidebar story. Sure. If, yeah. If, if that part of the conversation goes there. Yeah. Uh, so that'll all be part of the deal. I uh, know it's just great to 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 get back with all these folks. Uh, the fact that we're all still alive is a big deal. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
0: 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, or 50 years from now, we won't be alive in theory. Yeah. Uh, although, who knows what happens with all our uh, digital healthcare as we move into that. Right. It it's, sucked my brain off into some AI. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Actually, but...
0: We had that discussion at Magic Leap. They said, Alan, how would you like it if we made a, uh, an artificial intelligence version of Alan Howarth and kept writing music after you're gone? And I said, as long as I'm getting royalties, it's fine by me. <laughs> As long
1: as the royalties come in, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I, uh, I, 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 did see your show back in two thousand fifteen because uh, this will be your second time with Flashback Weekend, yeah. and I've been with Flashback since the beginning, and uh, I, it was one of the highlights of that weekend for me, and um, and it was great, and and uh, you know, uh, and I know it'll be even better uh, this year. Um, when, when you do it but you did a fantastic show back in, 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 at the convention and people are going to be in store for a, for it's a real treat to watch you work and to see the whole in the videos and the sound and everything it's a wonderful show really cool that you that you put on and I'm excited to see it I can't wait
0: yeah yeah so basically I've got I've got the, the original track playing from the laptop so I've got a backing track and I jam on top of it so there's a live a live augmentation in performance on top of the original scores as they are hmm so, so it's all very familiar. Um, do do you do you like uh, do you like playing out? I know you're a
1: tech guy and you like creating and you're in studios and you know doing all these great things with sound design and music and things like that in studios. But do you like being in front of a crowd? Do you still like getting out there and performing?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Remember, I was Mister Rock. I mean, my band opened for the Who. We opened for the Cream. Uh, I've, I've done stadium stu- stadium performances. It's it's just, it's there's energy having other people in the room with you yeah as a performer i have a different performance than sitting in the studio looking at a monitor it's just real that's yeah that's just how things go
2: yeah
0: uh, so that that's exciting for me and it's great to meet all the all the i'll use the word fans but it's just folks yeah uh, you know, so, sometimes somebody will come up to you and they're they're all oh, start, oh my god Alan, yeah and, and uh, we're just all regular guys we still got to get up in the morning and have breakfast and take showers right but i'm glad to share as a mentor as an an inspiration and to encourage folks that are interested in stuff to keep going yeah you know know, because so so many times we go through you know you, you do this stuff as as a hobby and you have your day gig right well right that that's the dynamics of life but i encourage everybody to continue even if it is just a hobby even if it's just an outlet that's fine. I mean, if you like painting or drawing or or, or making you know, wood shop and chairs, it, it's an art form. How many of us get to do this professionally? I'll say we're in the five percenters, right? Yeah. But there's yeah. so many other people that that are, are affectionate. And also, you know, with the idea of, of YouTube and stuff like that, you can put yourself out there without a record label. You can try to do an audience and all of a sudden if you've got uh, 10,000 people following you, that's that's an indicator that you got something going and, and you yeah. get noticed and you get advertising income because more people are watching your videos. So there's a ton of outlets that didn't exist in the past that are now there because of what, what's happened with the internet and, and the digital world. Yeah.
1: it's amazing. So uh, we're not going to hear any braino on uh, Saturday,
0: August 5th. That's not going to No, I, I don't <laughs> have any videos for braino. Okay. <laughs> but I will have some, I will have some, uh, The the, the, braino actually matured to what we call the pie corporation okay and woody was in, in with us and and some guy bickle and denny gifford and, and myself and that was sort of our jam period we're actually in the in the pie corporation material i have a cd of it i'll, I'll bring it i'll make sure we have some at the, at, for guys to get a hold of braino has never been released it exists on quarter inch tape it needs to be all transferred and sported up but pie Corporate will give you a feel but that's where a lot of my Experimentation and the things I bring forward when I started scoring movies, my own original stuff, was developed, figured yeah. out, and, yeah, and played with, and you know, just a lot of jams where, yeah. you know, we didn't know what we were going to do. We just start jamming it, it, yeah, spontaneously, and and out of the jam would come something that was interesting. You go, oh, I like that. Let's hold on to that one.
1: It's funny. I mean, you had me at Pink Floyd of, of Cleveland. You had me right there. That was it, Alan. You got me.
0: Yeah, Pink no, I, I Floyd. So. <laughs> Had I not been in Cleveland and been in London, I probably would have wound up being part of a group that was just like that, or maybe even joined Pink Floyd and been the sax player. Yeah,
1: there you go. That would have been great. By the way, uh, as an aside, Alan, I saw a documentary film. I don't know if you're aware of it or not. It's called Squaring the Circle. Um, I haven't seen it, no. It's a documentary about the guys at Hypnosis who designed all the album covers in the 60s and 70s. Oh, good, yeah. And it's a great documentary. I'm just recommending it as a uh, as an aside. It's terrific, and and you know, Gilmore is in it, and Roger Waters and those guys, and Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. They're all interviewed for this documentary about the this album cover design company. These artists, and it's really tremendous. And it really was in my wheelhouse, music wise. And I think mm-hmm. you, I, you know, So so it's it's called Squaring the Circle. Just a little aside. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out, you should because it's really. I think you'd I think you'd enjoy it. I really do. In
0: in, in my the wheelhouse, I actually did get to meet uh, Gilmore at one point. And I was starstruck. Back, do I know how that goes? Yeah, yeah. And then also in in, after that, I've met, you know, been become friends with Alan Parsons. So, oh man, another subset of of that. We've had, I've had a chance to have dinner with him and tell stories and stuff like that, which is great. Yeah, it's great. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Magical times. I'm telling you, the stuff that went down since the '60s and on to our future will still be talked about 300 years from now. No question. Golden, golden time for art and music. I agree. I totally agree.
1: By the way, do you keep up with uh, with John at all? And, and, and obviously, you know, like he tours now. He releases the records. He's working with his son, Cody, and Cody is doing his own music and composing and things like that. How do you feel about that kind of stuff? Do you keep, do you keep in touch with those guys at all?
0: Um, I actually haven't kept in touch with them. It was sort of a, uh, a changing of the guard in John's group. Mm. Uh, sort of in the early 90s, uh, he married Sandy King, and she sort of decided who's in and who's out because it was just a lot of hangers-on. Yeah, uh, but we're still buddies, of course. Yeah. But no, we haven't done any hanging out, like I say, that because Cody and, and uh, uh, Daniel Davies are his right. band, and he's self-sufficient. And and you know, uh, when, especially when COVID came, you know, John John had some health issues that he couldn't couldn't leave the house. He just, mm. just, he couldn't couldn't dare have any of that stuff happen. Yeah. So it's what it is, but uh, you know, I'm I'm considering reaching out to him and let's have a lunch and you know be buddies and stuff like that. Uh,
2: yeah,
0: certainly yeah. as part of moving forward because I'm you know until we're no longer here, we're going to keep running into each other here and there. there and I, and I, I am internally grateful. You know, he, he changed my life. Meeting him yeah. changed my life. So yeah, well, uh, I um, that, that that can never be paid.
1: Well, it's, I mean, the stuff that you do, not just in terms of music, but in terms of sound creation and, and, and designing, you know, uh, sound experiences for, for people and working on audio and having immersive sound in theaters, all that stuff and sound and sound design in movies. You're an incredibly talented guy. You've been, you've been, uh, you know, you've been kind of a hero of mine for, for a long time. And I'm. I'm excited to uh, to see you. I'm excited to 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 do whatever panels that you're on. And I can't wait to see your show on August 5th, man. I'm I'm so excited. And I, I you have no idea how grateful I am that you've that you were that you appeared here on my podcast. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, right here. Let me plug myself once. I have alanhoward.com, mm-hmm. which is my website, and that's that's sort of go there and see what's going on. I have a lot of stuff on YouTube. You can just listen to the stuff for free. All the soundtracks are there. I have some newer movies. One I did uh, called Cosmic Dawn. One called basement Jack uh, like I said I've got one coming up this fall that's got um, uh, Keith David in it uh, sort of a, a a new next generation fog I'll call it in along that theme and I just did that and it's getting accolades uh, both uh, as a film and uh, people are noticing the score to to that one and uh, you know I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at the show it's gonna be exciting yeah. one of the big things people want is vinyl so I've actually stopped yeah. Up on vinyl, and the vinyl by me is more than autographed. I actually put a bar of music of the score on the cover of the thing. It's at a premium, but it's worth it. They're cl- true collectors' items, and and meeting all, all the folks. Uh, and then just as a subset, this is just to throw it out there. I also have another website called NaturalResonance.net.
1: Okay, and this
0: is this is a this is a completely different topic, but it comes from analyzing the Great period uh, in Egypt for its acoustical properties and the idea that the the architects had universal knowledge and there are frequencies of music that are described by the pyramid and actually are acoustic properties of the pyramid that really go to mind body spirit stuff and i made some meditation cd's one called paradise within another one called indigo ra which use these frequencies and i'm going to continue pursuing this uh, as a as a another hobby project that i've just attracted to it's about sacred geometry and universal mathematics and mind body spirit stuff and that's another part of me that's different than horror movies but just want to mention it is it go. has my attention to it
1: all right uh, and you can check out everything at, uh, at and dot and that's h o w a r t h. alanhowarth. And please yep. come to Flashback Weekend. It's going to be an incredible weekend, August fourth through the sixth at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Alan, among a ton of other people, including uh, Halloween Two reunion and Christine reunion, a live concert by Alan on Saturday night, the fifth at eight uh, fifteen, and so so much more. Um, Alan, a real pleasure uh, to talk to you. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to uh, to see you in person in in a, in a few weeks.
0: Looking forward to it. Thanks, okay, man. buddy. Take care.
1: Sure. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, Alan Howworth. Oh boy, what a delight. An amazing, amazing guy. Get your tickets now. The event is going to be unbelievable. And you know who else is going to be there? Esmeralda Leon. And we're going to be live on stage. We'll tell you about that uh, right after we hear Esmeralda's theme. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda
2: Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. I'm talking about that, Esmer, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda,
1: yeah. Esmeralda, All right. Esmeralda Leon. that's the theme that you hear uh, every uh, episode, and that means it's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, that's the lovely theme that Jason Skaggs, my man, has uh, recorded, a legendary theme if I say so myself, even though I didn't do it, Jason did, uh, but let's say hello to Esmeralda Leon, hi Esmeralda, hello, how are you?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm okay. Uh, you know, beginning of the uh, of the week, Dad's going to stop by, tell a joke. You know that oh, kind of stuff. Oh, very nice. Yes, as usual. I understand that uh, you have a civic duty that you may have to uphold. Well, that you will have to uphold.
3: <sighs> Hopefully not. <laughs> not. Not not repeatedly.
1: Not repeatedly. Um, jury duty has called upon you, Esmeralda.
3: Yes, yes.
1: Um, when was the last time that you had to uh, you had the call for jury duty?
3: Uh, it was early two thousands.
1: So it's been a while. So around
3: yeah, two thousand five, two thousand seven around there.
1: Wow, okay. That's a that's a good amount of time. That's a good amount of time. That's a little bit longer uh stretch than usual. I think it's usually about ten years. Seven to ten years is usually the uh mm. the, the, the case. So you you uh you held out for a while. They held out with you for a while, which is good.
3: I guess so. Do you well, know? Well, I any- was um I'm a standby. Uh jury. and I had to call I had to call the day before
1: oh and they told you to come down yes oh that sucks because it's a and is it do you still have to like when you call if you're a standby do you have to call and like wait to hear your number is it
3: no it just said like which courthouse uh and then it yeah it essentially asked which courthouse and then it went you do have to come down <laughs> it's like oh cool great oh, man <laughs> It wasn't very they... specific. I think they just, if they didn't have enough people, I don't, I don't know how their yeah. thought process was.
1: Now it's been a while for you, like you said, early midish two thousands for you, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's been a long time for me as well. What do they pay now? Does it say uh, what it is? No, normally I have like, no clue. It's like it was like I remember, if I remember correctly, it was like eighteen bucks a day or something like that. Yeah, it's something and and, 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 a, and uh, lunch. Stupid. I think. A, a, like a like a baloney sandwich or some shit if I remember correctly
3: I don't think they fed us. I don't remember they might have
1: or or maybe compensated for exactly. lunch. It might have been like dollars yeah, 18, 18 $18 compensated me money. yeah they're not gonna feed you of course they're not gonna feed you unless you're well, they feed you if you're a prisoner that's that's uh...
3: right or if you're like in one of those like super secret juries
1: yeah if you they they put you up in a hotel room and you're like, you know you're on yeah. the OJ you're on the OJ jury then that's uh, mm-hmm. a yeah. <laughs> oh God. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Do you know now? uh, Do you know anybody who enjoys jury duty? Do you know anybody who gets jury duty notice and goes? No. Yeah, man, civic duty. Yeah, because there are those people who have that weird pride about doing it. You know.
3: Yeah, I don't think I want to know those people.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that, but but there are those people like, or or when they, you know, like you know, when when you ever talk about like, ah, oh, man, I got jury duty. Then there are people, like, yeah, you know, you should be proud of that. Like, no, I, I I don't want jury duty. I don't want to do it.
3: Yeah, no.
1: Well, I hope it's a one day. I hope you go down there and it's a one day thing, and you come right back home.
3: Yeah, so, I hope so too. Yeah. I'm. I hope they, cause I might not even, I might not even get like into a room. Yeah. No, no, to no. be asked times, yeah. questions and stuff they might just have me sitting around oh all that's I, I day, can't tell you the, the number very of annoying
1: exactly it's totally fucking annoying and I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've gone down and sat in a room never been asked a question and mm-hmm. then at the end of the day they're like yeah you can go that's it and you just you basically <laughs> I mean I, I remember sitting a, a couple of times just sitting in a room reading yeah and, all day and then yeah, they, they like, tell
3: you. They're like, bring change, yep. bring a book. <laughs>
1: exactly. They still tell it's you like, that. Wow. It's funny. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like yeah. they, they don't tell you bring a charger. They don't. They haven't updated that at all. I guess, right? Just, bring a, no, bring I don't a think phone, so. Bring a phone charger. Bring your earbuds. You know. <laughs> it well, it's like, like I don't think you can. You can
3: wear oh, certain maybe things you can't, maybe or you something. Can't, yeah, there's maybe something it, about headphones on there, but I think that might be when you're injury yeah. duty. I don't know yeah I no know. i think
1: I, I don't think you can have a phone or any of that shit if you're actually in jury duty um but if you're just in the yeah. waiting room in the waiting room i think you can you can google stuff and like you know play hit the monkey what's what are the what are the big games now flying angry uh, birds is yeah that angry birds is hit still the thing? monkey hit the hit the <laughs> monkey <laughs> That's the new game I just created. I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, of course, I'm now, yeah. I'm now a video game creator. Hit the Monkey. Yeah, it's a
3: billion dollar it's, idea. It's
1: man, it's selling like hotcakes, I can't keep them on the mm-hmm. shelf. I can't keep the hit the monkeys on the shelf. Um, well, anyway, well, good luck with that. I hope it is just you're 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 in, you're out. It's like a drive-through. Yeah. Uh, so let's right. hope so. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, uh, we bring this up only because uh, both of us are up a little bit earlier than usual. <laughs> <laughs> to break the illusion uh, yeah. <laughs> of, of of recording, because Esmeralda's got to get down to uh, twenty six. It's twenty six in Cali, right? That's where you're. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That's the usual one, but every once in a while, you get Daily Center. Every once in a while. Oh, that a little...
3: wouldn't be so. That wouldn't be the worst.
1: Nah. I mean, it sucks, but it's easier to get to. Yeah. You know, it's more centrally yeah. located. Um. But yeah, uh, but yeah, 26 in California. I've been there a bunch of times, um, and I've been to I've, I've been to Daily Center a bunch of times for uh, for jury mm-hmm. duty. Well, I wish you the I wish you the best of luck. Maybe you'll meet uh, Maybe you'll meet Pauly Shore. Remember?
3: I that would be great if Pauly Shore was there.
1: <laughs> Yikes. Remember, I saw. Jury oh no! D- I, I saw
3: that. No, yeah, I saw that movie. Yeah, of course, but, I did.
1: <laughs> it's the best. I, mean, I knew you would. I knew you would have. Yeah, man. Yeah. Pauly Shore, jury duty. Yeah, all right. Well, anyway, and then maybe if you join the army, you'll see Paulie Shore. Remember in the mm-hmm. army?
3: And Andy Dick.
1: And Andy Dick. Joliet oh, yeah. uh Juliet yeah. Lom. And uh, Andy Dick. Or maybe uh if you uh, if you dig up a caveman, you might meet Paulie Shore if if that happens. Wow.
3: He's just everywhere, isn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you might if you are going to experiment with a, a, bios- a you know, a biospheric d- a dome Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll be in here There's Steve- Polly. There's Pauly and there's Stephen Baldwin. Uh actually. So there you go. All right. Well, well good luck. Uh-oh. <coughs>
2: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love
3: Nick's
1: show. There's Carrie Russell. Emmy nominee Carrie Russell, as I have to mm-hmm. introduce her now. She's requiring me to call her an Emmy nominee every time. I mean
3: I uh, yeah. what's the point, right? Yeah, you I need to Carrie add that Russell, on there and now. I love Nick's
1: show. She got a t shirt Esmeralda, that on that just says not guilty. I guess that's what she's saying oh, to you. So in that's case fun.
3: I'm in- not I'm not on board. Oh, I'm not right. in the She's not on I'm trial, not on, Carrie. Yeah, I'm yeah. not on trial. She's, she's fine. Thank you. All right. Okay, see you later. Hi, thank, thank you Carrie
2: for the Russell. sentiment. I okay. love
3: not, She thinks you're show. not
1: guilty, Azarela, so I just want you oh. to know that. Well, I
3: appreciate that. Thank she's, you, she's, Carrie.
2: She's, she's,
1: she's in your corner. Okay.
3: Yeah, she's like, see, in any case, you're <laughs> not guilty. Anything. You don't,
1: you don't need a Kardashian or a Robert Shapiro or anything. You're good. You're all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll
3: just bring her and be like Carrie Russell said I'm not guilty. <laughs> Emmy nominee Carrie Russell now?
1: is on my side, so Yeah. yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> Maybe she could make T shirts for everybody. So I don't know.
3: There you go. Oh, uh, you could make I'm a lot sure of friends. I would love that in the court.
1: If <laughs> at, at jury duty, if Pauly Shore is not there, you can make a lot of friends. Uh, you know, handing out uh, t shirts.
3: I'm that, sure that's what people want.
1: That are made by mm, uh that are made it'll by in their day. Yeah, because everybody wants to be there so so much. So anyway, All exactly. Right. Now in this my,
3: T-shirt, it'll make it way better.
1: Yeah, I mean it's made by uh, it's made by, uh, by by <laughs> Carrie uh, Russell. Carrie Russell herself, Oscar no- or Oscar nominee, Emmy nominee, Carrie Russell. So I don't know, she might get nominated for an Oscar. Hey, you never know.
3: Yeah, you know? there's still there's plenty of time. Plenty of plenty time. of projects.
1: Yeah, well you know, uh, Cocaine Bear uh, is. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> we were discussing yesterday at the at the music box because the music box has uh, got their. Uh, 70 new adventures in 70 millimeter fest going. Mm-hmm. So I went yesterday and I sat through uh, three very long 70 millimeter movies. I sat, I sat through Babylon, which, by the way, uh, does not hold up upon second viewing. oh I didn't think
3: it, it really held up on the first. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's what
1: most people think. But uh, yeah, I and you're, and you're absolutely right. Like I remember really liking about the first hour and a half, and I still like the first hour of it. Um, mm. But man, it does not. It's not a good movie. It's not a good this is movie. It's a whole
3: party thing. Right?
1: Yeah, the whole like first hour of it is absolute batshit insanity with Yeah, the doll.
3: that's kind with, of as far as I got.
1: Yeah, that's as far <laughs> as you need to get. I trust me, uh, that's as far as you need to get. And it was in 70mm, it was a beautiful print and the sound was great cuz I mean, you know, 70mm beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. But man, not only does that movie isn't is it not good? Margot Robbie's great in it. I will say this. Margot mm-hmm. Robbie is fucking great. Actually, everybody's good. Brad Pitt's in it good in it as well. Uh, but it just, it you know, like, I was kind of excited about it because I like Damien Chazelle's other movies. I'm a big fan of El, uh, of La La Land. And I'm a big fan of, uh, big fan of Whiplash. Mm-hmm. So I walked in with, like, this very exciting sort of attitude, and I was much more forgiving of its flaws the first time. Yesterday, I was like, ugh. I mean, <laughs> and it's a total ripoff of Boogie Nights, a complete ripoff of Boogie Nights. Um you know, like beat for beat, and then they showed Boogie Nights last night, so it was like even worse. You know, like you. Like, oh, so
3: you were able to really compare and exactly, contrast exactly, exactly. Because they
1: showed <laughs> it was it was um a uh, uh, Babylon, and then in 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 uh, Inception, mm-hmm. um, and then Boogie Nights, and they were all brand new seventy millimeter copies. Um, and um, yeah, I mean Inception might be. I mean that I, I I've I've discovered that I I think I only like. Uh, Christopher Nolan movies that are one word titles with the word with the letters i in i n at the beginning mm. as long as he makes movies like' cause, because I love inception, I love interstellar and I love insomnia <laughs> and then, and then,
3: so then this one's not gonna bode well then unless they, unless they uh,
1: unless they call it in oppenheimer then i I don't in, think in
3: I'm... inheimer <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah inheimer right yeah inheimer then i might I might like it but um but, yeah, that's the buildup, obviously. But, anyway, I was there yesterday. And how the hell did we get into this uh, – what were we – oh, shit. We were talking – oh, last movies, because we were saying – we. Were, I mentioned uh, uh, Cocaine Bear. Mm-hmm. And Cocaine Bear came up yesterday because we were talking about how very often actors and actresses who pass away, their last movie is usually bad. It's just kind of this weird Ooh, thing that yeah. happens that, like, an actor dies or a director dies and their last movies are usually like, Oh, you know? Mm-hmm. And that came up yesterday because, um, Ray Liotta, we were talking about Ray Liotta and Ray Liotta's in cocaine beer. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's not his last movie. He was in something after it and he was in a TV oh, okay. series too, but so he's okay. But we were talking about how <laughs> sometimes, sometimes last movies are bad. Um, like for instance, uh, you know, Peter Sellers last movie before Peter, everybody thinks it was being there. You know, and being there is sort of this legendary, wonderful movie, classic film, um, where he got nominated for an Academy Award. It's been, you know, it's iconic. And everybody thinks, oh, that was his last movie. No, it wasn't. His last movie was the fiendish plot of Dr. Fu Manchu. <laughs> oh, boy. He played he played Fu Manchu. <laughs> he played Fu Manchu. It was a terrible movie. And that was his last movie. And we were talking about, like, uh, it happens to directors, too, like Harold Ramis, the great Harold Ramis. His last movie was year one, that caveman movie with Michael Cera oh. and yeah. Oh, that, oh. Yeah, see, that's the correct response. It's <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah.
3: see it, but I remember watching the trailer and just going, well, okay. Yeah, Michael
1: Ye- Cera, Jack sure. Black. Yeah, Jack Black and Michael Cera as, as cavemen. And that was mm-hmm. the, the great Harold Ramis' mm. last movie. So anyway, that was a very lively and happy topic we were talking about yesterday <laughs> at the Music Box. Um, so anyway. Um, all right. Well, uh, you're here. My dad's going to stop by and tell a joke. Uh, mm-hmm. and we've got and of course we have these guys are yeah! here yeah! Ooh, yeah! so they're all here uh, we will get a visit from this guy on August 1st yeah yeah
3: nice
1: how weird is it that I'm watching Svengoolie Saturday night you know like I normally do and then mm-hmm. how weird is it to watch Svengoolie and then suddenly see yourself uh on the show oh god it's very weird and not know no, I had no idea. And it was a it was a bit that we filmed, like, years ago mm-hmm. that that Rich and I did for his show many years ago. And he brought it out and played it again Saturday night. And so I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm like, uh-oh, I think this is the bit that I was in. Because the setup was there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to see myself. And I don't want to see myself. <laughs> and this was a while ago. <laughs> I had, like, long hair. And for some reason, I don't oh, know wow. why. So my hair was pulled back. Mm-hmm. um, And for some reason... I, I had a soul patch, and I have no fucking idea.
3: <laughs> the one week you decided to have a soul patch. Yeah, I guess maybe I. <laughs> I think
1: <laughs> I think what happened was I fucked up shaving, you know, and I went, oh, god damn it, and I just shaved everything off except I thought, you know, in my wisdom that I would keep the soul patch. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, let's
3: so, redeem this. By yeah, is a soul that, patch.
1: Let me ask you this: Is that is a soul patch? Has that ever been a good look for a guy? No. No. <laughs>
3: I mean, usually it's a sign of, like, not cool, right?
1: Yeah, no. That's,
3: I, so, like, like I usually think of the, the first thing that comes to mind as of late is um, high fidelity. Yes. When Tim Robbins is, <laughs> is that, yeah. like, new age asshole yeah. and yeah. he's got a soul patch. <laughs> doesn't Jack Black have a soul patch in that, though? He might, but I don't know. It doesn't yeah. somehow not. Um,
1: but anyway, yeah, the, sol- for some reason, I don't know oh, why. And then,
3: and then you have long mm-hmm. hair. It doesn't help.
1: No, I had like, and it was, it was in a, well, you couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. For, Cause it was just a one step. I was sitting, I was sitting next to Rich when we were doing this bit and I don't really move a lot, which is good. Cause yeah. the less, I, the less I say and the less I move, the better. If you're going to have me in anything, <laughs> you know, so my hair was pulled back. So I knew it was long, but I mean, you couldn't really tell, you know what I mean? Uh, that it was. Yeah. Really oh wait, tell. you
3: know what's funny? He doesn't have one in this.
1: So who who doesn't? Um, Tim Robbins. Okay, it's Jack Black who has. I think Jack Black's got the. Jack soul Black
3: patch. has it, but for some reason, <laughs> I am automatically equate Soul Patch with just like douchey. Which,
2: right. Yeah.
1: And he's like the Brit. <laughs> he's like the douchebag upstairs neighbor, uh Tim Robbins. Yeah. Like the douchebag. Yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 No. 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 I know. And I. And when I saw it, I was like. I completely forgot. And then it, came, it comes out. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with a soul patch? So I, I had no idea what. <laughs> why. I'm watching this. And the first thing I'm thinking of is, OK, wow, it's nice to see myself on TV. Holy shit, do I look like a moron? <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah. So it was weird watching, watching Sven Gulli and long-haired soul patch Nick shows up. on screen. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's great.
3: And that's forever now.
1: Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember when we did that. We shot that a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and and because Rich showed uh, he showed a he showed a um, a Marx Brothers movie on Sven one time, mm-hmm. um, and and I can't remember which one he showed. I don't want to say I don't know. Was it, maybe it was Duck Soup. I'm not sure. Um, but he showed a Marx Brothers movie, and mm-hmm. he did a bit where he was uh, Groucho, oh. and then he he played dual roles in the bit. He was Groucho, and then he was he was Sven and I was sitting next to him in a class. And Groucho was oh,
3: the teacher. Oh, were you wearing like a little school? No, spool?
1: no, I'm <laughs> wearing, I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt. And underneath that, I've got a Svengulli t-shirt on. So I'm like, I, <laughs> that's OK, because he just because <laughs> I went there. I went there that day to be the arm of the door to tell mm-hmm. the joke at the end. I was I was there at the mm-hmm. studio to be the arm of the door and to be a chicken thrower. You get to throw chickens at him. Yeah. And then Rich, when I got there, Rich is like, I wrote this bit and I want you to be in it. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not I'm wearing a t-shirt with you on. He's like, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Right, um, right, he's
3: not him at that yeah. point in time.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's Groucho so. Marx. So no, he works. was he it's was fine. me, he
1: was him next to me. I had Sven next to me. So he was dual, he was like dual, he was like they cut it together cuz he was Groucho and Sven. Ah, oh, okay. So like we were I remember when we filmed it we were reacting to stuff that Rich Groucho. would report Rich would record later, you know what I mean, as Groucho. Yeah. So like like here's what I say next as Groucho and then we and then we have to react to it. <laughs> okay. So then when you watch it it's Rich as Groucho talking to me and Rich and, and and there was an intern uh there too. There was another guy in the scene with us who mm-hmm. was an who was an intern at CIU at the time and he was with us uh in the classroom. Uh but yeah, it's really weird to to all of a sudden see yourself on TV and then to go, "Oh, I have a fucking soul patch." That's a, That's a, <laughs> Enjoyable. Soul patch
3: and long hair.
1: Yeah, soul patch and long hair. So, uh uh, yeah that was a real great That was great that was a great flashback hey speaking of flashbacks see what i did there oh uh, see, see i don't have i don't have a radio award sitting on my coffee table gathering dust for nothing um <laughs> uh we're at flashback weekend on august 5th well we're there i'm there all weekend august 4th through uh-huh. the 6th uh flashback weekend horror convention where there's a scream reunion a terrifier and a terrifier 2 reunion which by the way the Terrifier and the Terrifier Two reunion is the biggest Terrifier reunion ever.
3: Ooh. Oh, oh uh, wow!
1: Sporting the director, the writer, and uh, eight cast members.
3: Oh like, my! Yeah, like the stage That's is awesome. it going
1: its not even going to be big enough for the for the entire cast. The Q and A stage. They're <laughs> going to have to sit in each
3: other's laps.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to sit on each other. You have to sit on Art the Clown's lap and not get killed. Yeah, or uh, sit on the
3: floor. We'll give them yeah carpet squares. <laughs> Squares.
1: So uh, so there's that and there's the Scream reunion. Rose McGowan is going to be there and Jamie Kennedy and uh, Skeet Ulrich and Lee Wannell, who was the very first uh, Ghostface killer in the, in the first movie. Nice. He's going to be there. Uh, there is a John Carpenter's Christine 40th anniversary reunion, which I'm hosting. Uh, and Malcolm very Denner, cool. by the way, Malcolm Denner will be on the podcast next week. Um, He's one of the bad guys in Christine. The car, the actual Christine car, is going to be there.
3: Yeah, that's really, um, that's quite a get. Yeah,
1: it's going to be, it's, it's going to be great. And there's a lot more, a uh, lot more stuff uh, uh, happening, happening there that weekend. And we'll have a special surprise guest. And we might actually get a visit uh, from someone who, who we've been talking mm. about. And I'll ask him about, you know, hey, hey, Rich, do you have any reason why I had a soul patch? Any any idea? <laughs> Maybe they put it on you and you didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's what I'm gonna say it was. You're right. That's what it was. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't know. When I got there, they put a soul patch on me. I didn't know. It, it, was, it was a, a choice be- f- of theirs. Yeah,
2: I didn't. I <laughs> really? didn't.
1: I didn't walk around in public during that time with a soul patch. I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I wasn't on public transportation looking like that 15 Mm-mm. minutes before that was shut. No. That is uh, a that
3: is a fake soul patch. They just glued <laughs> still, onto your face. I'm still trying to remember
1: when I had. I remember having a soul patch for a little while, and I don't know mm-hmm. uh, when it was or why. Man. Well, uh, it must have been around that time. <laughs> it was around that time, but I'm trying to remember when that, and I can't remember what time. I can't remember when it was. Um, but I shaved it soon thereafter, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um. So anyway, uh, but Rich will be there. Uh, you know, he might stop by. He's going to be at Flashback. He'll be hosting the costume contest which is one of the greatest things ever yes and then on friday night he and joe bob briggs are going to be on the same stage together the world might implode yeah, um
3: that's amazing that's yeah. a pretty awesome it's pretty cool it's gonna man. be a good time
1: yeah i'm gonna host that too so i get to host that with joe bob and with uh with sven on friday night and then on saturday you and i will be on stage at 12 30 in the afternoon in the big ballroom mm-hmm we will do uh, interact with the audience, talk about scary movies. We got really cool stuff to give away. I got some prizes and some T-shirts to give away that we're going to be giving away there. Nice. And so we want everybody who can hear our voices right now to show up on Saturday, August fifth, twelve thirty in the afternoon, at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare as part of Flashback Weekend, uh, and it's going to be great. And it'll be your second one, Esmeralda. Uh, you had a good mm-hmm. time last year. You had a good time yeah, last year. Yeah,
3: it was fun. Yeah,
1: it'll be good this year. Great. You know, c- uh, celebrity guests and really cool stuff. And Alan Howarth, who, by the way, uh, I just talked to. no um, oh. He is the composer, a co-composer with John Carpenter of movies like, you know, Halloween two through six, They Live, mm-hmm. uh, Prince of Darkness. Uh, he is a sound designer for stuff like uh, the Star Trek movies and things. He's doing a live concert Saturday night. Um, with uh, comprised of all the great music that he's composed with john carpenter and elsewhere and it's a live concert with really all kinds of immersive video and sound and stuff so it's going to be really cool so he's going to be doing that as well so it's going to be a really cool weekend but we want all the nick d podcast fans to come out in mass and say hello to us uh as the world is very approachable um and (laughs) i will not i will not have a soul patch so it'll be fine Uh, right yeah see That's how we'll know who you are. So Don't have a soul patch. Get your tickets now. The whole weekend is going to be great. August 4th through the 6th. Hyatt Regency O'Hare Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. The fun, the most fun of the summer. Flashbackweekend.com. Get those tickets now. Flashbackweekend.com. And join us for our live podcast. Be a part of it. Be a part of the recording. Get a prize and all kinds of cool stuff on uh, Saturday, August 5th at 1230. So there you go. All right. Um, so uh, we love to talk about food. Esmeralda, as, as you know. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite mm-hmm. uh, topics. You know what we have to do? We have to, at some point, go back out and uh, and load up again on our um, uh, on our food for, for some taste testing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we got to go out and go, we got to do that. Go, go grab some weird food for some taste testing. We haven't done a taste testing in a while. But I saw this and I immediately thought of you as it, it was one of the more uh, crazy pop culture stories over the past few days. The new... Burger King sandwich out of Thailand. Would you care to tell everybody what this sandwich, what the sandwich is and what it consists of?
3: So it is a true cheeseburger, or at least that's what they're calling it in uh, at the Burger King, it's a real cheeseburger. So it is a bun filled with uh, up to about 20 slices of American cheese, just stacked on top of each other not really melted like it is melted but not enough that it would like it's still solid
2: <laughs> and, i
3: don't and, think and, they, and, i mean you can't melt it all the way through because it would just be a, a huge mess because it's 20
1: so, slices of cheese now but what i think exactly we, what, we need, what we need to make perfectly clear is there's no meat or burger or impossible meat right at all
3: but it but, is a true cheeseburger in that <laughs> the burger part
1: is it's cheese. cheese.
3: It's all cheese. <laughs>
1: so it's it's a it's a hamburger. I'm looking at a picture of it. As I know you are as well. Yeah. And it's a it's a sesame seed hamburger bun, and it's just 20 slices of cheese. And the top one, top three or four seem to be melted.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure the residual they heat it up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I know in England they love a cheese sandwich. Yeah. In which they it's just cold. Yeah, but I don't know if you could if you could deal with twenty slices of cold right. American cheese.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, this is not like a grilled cheese. It's not like it's been on a, on the grill. Right. I don't know what they, I think they nuke it. It looks like they just throw it. They throw it. Yeah. A, I mean, it's like taking a couple of pieces of bread, slapping a bunch of slices of American cheese on there, and throwing it in the microwave for about twenty seconds. And there. Yeah, it is. I don't
3: think. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to eat solid cheese <laughs> so they have to melt it a little bit
1: right now let me ask you this uh i mean this isn't like a very adventuresome sandwich but would you would you try it would you i mean it's, you know
3: i mean i guess i don't i don't know if i could handle that much cheese i mean i like cheese but i just feel like it would get to be too much like when I it's agree. in the middle yeah. and it's just solid cheese yeah.
1: <laughs> I can't even I, I I and I you know I like cheese as much as the next guy, you know? hmm Um, but man, that's a lot of that's a lot of cheese and no variant. It's just like a hunk of American cheese. Yes, yeah,
3: just cheese. Um not, not maybe like a mix. Nope, yeah, just there's American like no, cheese. There's
1: no Swiss, there's no mozzarella, there's no Monterey Jack or anything like that. It's just a. Amer- it's like slices of slightly warmed American cheese. <laughs>
3: I don't
2: know. Yeah. Does it, say,
1: does it say anywhere in the article what they're charging? Like, uh, uh it's it, it, about ten dollars. Oh my! Ten dollars for twenty slices. Well,
3: because you have to realize in Asian countries they don't really eat a lot of cheese. Okay. In Thailand, I know a lot of their cuisine doesn't have cheese.
1: All right. So that's I don't, why I
3: can't really think of anything Thai food wise that has cheese. That's true. So I don't. It's not a. It's not a usual thing. So it so is I, it's probably and it's American cheese. So it's right. not like they're using some kind of cheese that would be So um, so,
1: the, so the commercial aspect is much stronger in in and in, in Bangkok uh, uh or in Thailand than it would be here. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And well, it's also
3: 20 slices of cheese.
1: That's a that's a lot of Like
3: how much is I'm trying to think like how much would a like cuz that's about how much those packs of Kraft American yeah. cheese are, right? Yeah, and about twenty slices. You in can you thing. can actually
1: get you can actually get a small pack of like eighteen, or like sixteen. Yeah, or eight. I think you can even get eight. I think you can get a small packet of. I worked the dairy department at Jewel for many years, and if I remember correctly, there was actually like an eight slice package of Kraft American cheese that you can get.
3: Yes there is which so that's is like, nearly not enough
1: no that's 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 you know you need f- almost 4 of those there is second.
3: a there <laughs> is a 24 <laughs> pack
1: ah oh, right so that's so if that's, you go to
3: walmart it's
1: yeah. 4.98 so it's 4.98 for 24 slices of cheese right okay so but
3: that's here this is here right. where like you know che- that cheese is whatever
1: right right all right so 5 bucks for a pack of for 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 the amount of cheese that you would get on this sandwich, and then it's just a bun, and it's melted. So and
3: not even all the way. Not even so all just the way. Slightly. So yeah. you could make this at home. <laughs> Very you easily. could.
1: Now the other the other question is, I don't I don't think it says anything in there. I don't think that there's any sort of toppings on it. There are no dressings. I don't think there are any. It
3: doesn't look like it. No.
1: It just looks like cheese, and so there's no like it's no lettuce, cheese. no ketchup, no yeah.
3: Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> just cheese.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it, what else do you need? It's cheese. You don't need anything. I'm, especially it is if you're American
3: little, cheese.
1: If you're so bu- it's, it's got me- all well,
3: the salty. It's got all the, yeah. it's good.
1: And American cheese, you know, and, and American cheese it melts the best of any cheese. It really does because mm-hmm. it's so, because it, mm-hmm. it's, so pro- it's so processed, it melts the best. Um, so there is that, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't see the appeal of it. Maybe it'll, it'll, it, maybe it'll do well in Thailand. I don't know. Uh, it just, it just debuted last week. The new BK Cheeseburger, pure cheeseburger sandwich, in uh, mm-hmm. in in, uh, in 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 Thailand, which consists of twenty slices of American cheese melted on a bun. I don't
3: know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's three dollars. Oh. Oh. <laughs> wow. So wow! the that... usual burger, the usual burger is ten dollars.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So it's three dollars. Yes. So it's less than buying. A twenty-four pack of American.
3: Yeah, actually, yeah. So you know, fly to Thailand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you can afford it because you're going to save money on the sandwich, right? So you of can. Of course, you, exactly, yeah.
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: Bingo! Oh. You're yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! And then people will what? Run. Yeah. So, um, wow. Or
2: get that corn
3: out of my face!
1: In, in in case they try to have you upsell you when you get there and maybe try to sell you some
3: cream. right and you're like no 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 no, no i don't want i, I just got, want the cheese I just, but... no
1: i got i got enough cheese here get so... out of my face! exactly all right you know well,
3: growing up i used to eat slices of cheese
1: everybody yeah i think everybody did yeah
3: you would just eat them like it was
1: no and, big deal and it, it was fun but there's too, something cause...
3: about eating them like this because this is just like then one solid
1: yeah. Hunk of cheese. No, I mean, if it's just a slab, at one point, it's just a slab of slightly melted cheese. I in... imagine
3: this is like biting into a, like a block of Velveeta. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> That's probably what it is. Although I enjoy Velveeta. I en- I do enjoy yeah, Velveeta. Yeah,
3: but do you enjoy biting into a no, block? No, I don't. Of it?
1: I, I do not like. I don't grab a. It's not like a. It, I don't grab into it like it's a sub sandwich. You know what I mean? I don't open up a block right. of Velveeta and just go, I'm going to sit here and eat this whole thing. So, um,. But, by, you know, you might want to bring a little uh, Xlax with you uh, if you're planning on doing cause they might. Yeah, that might be... You're going to be a little binded, I think. A little tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be, a little bit. A little bit. Be, see, you're going to be like Ow! after that for a little while. Uh, so, anyway. All right. Now, I also uh, want to bring up some, according to this list that I have for this article, let's talk a little bit about this from uh, the Uprocks Life. They have the worst fast food items from the major chains. Mm -hmm. And I and I really do think that 20 slices of slightly melted American cheese between two white pieces of bread is a pretty bad fast food (laughs) item. (laughs) So anything anything in this article that that we that we that we had uh, that we were looking at? Is there anything in here that jumps out or is there any fast food item that immediately comes to mind when someone says, yeah, well, that that cheesy thing sounds bad. But so was this. Are there any fast food items here that, that stick out for you?
3: So I remember, um, and I don't know, they might still have them, actually, at Burger King. And I remember trying them and not being happy with them. But it was the Burger King chicken fries. They still have them. Yeah, I did not. I don't know what it was about them that I just did not like.
1: Yeah, I actually, I had them not too long ago. I'm not really sure why I ordered them. I think it was because they're cheap. Yeah. Um. And there's a Burger I just, King. Or-
3: I don't know why I don't. I mean, well, it's just a different shape of a chicken nugget.
1: It is. It's like a. It's like a chicken. Well, no, chicken strips are actual pieces of chicken that the, the, the uh they're not as processed like chicken strips. Yeah. Those are actually like you can actually see like the you know the the breast meat or wherever it was from. Whereas like nuggets and these chicken fries are clearly processed, you know, mm-hmm. or the ones that they make for kids that are shaped like dinosaurs and stuff. Those are clearly right. processed.
3: right. Right. Right.
1: Right. Um. But yeah, I had them not too long ago because there's a Burger King across the street from that movie theater on Western, the mm-hmm. the City North Theater, and I was there to see a movie. I can't remember when it was. A few months ago, I was there, and I had. I was like, "Oh, I'll have some chicken fries." And yeah, you're you're, you're right not to enjoy them, Esmeralda. Um, there's yeah, I don't know what it was.
3: Yeah, I just not not into it.
1: No, not
3: and, and, into it.
1: And I don't. And it, it just it, you know, normally I like. Foods that are blatantly processed and don't—that's why I love the McRib, which is blatantly processed. Like,
3: yeah, I don't mind chicken nuggets. Yeah, there was—I don't know what it was about these that I just wasn't into. Yeah.
1: Well, I can tell you this: they're <laughs> not they, the last time I tried the chicken fries a few months ago. They weren't—they're uh, they, not a top menu item. Let me just say that. Yeah. Let me just because I
3: that. love a Wendy's chicken nugget. I sure. think Wendy's chicken nuggets are the top tier of nuggets.
1: Yeah, they're good. They're good chicken nuggets. Uh, I remember, boy, I remember I was working at McDonald's when the chicken nugget debuted when I was mm-hmm. in high school. And, man, you couldn't keep them off the shelf. And, and, obviously, that's the go-to for anybody under 13 is you get nuggets, you know, when you're a kid. Right. Uh, but, man, it just you could not keep these goddamn things off the shelf. They actually, the year that the chicken nugget debuted, the chicken McNugget debuted. Okay. Uh, McDonald's actually had a goddamn stand at Taste of Chicago. And uh, because my girlfriend, the twenty-two year old with the wait, child, was manages- there
3: was there a difference between a chicken nugget and a chicken McNugget?
1: Well, they are. They should just. I mean, they're called McDonald's are McNuggets. If you go someplace okay. else, it's just nuggets. Oh, okay. But, yeah. But yeah, because yeah. it's a McDonald's. Oh, you mean
3: like a chicken nugget as a whole, when it like showed up on yeah everywhere? as the chicken? Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: no, 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 no. I mean at at McDonald's at chicken when I was working at McDonald's the McNugget. Debuted. Okay. And you could, I mean, people went apeshit to the point where they literally, where we literally, McDonald's literally had a tent at Taste of Chicago, and people mm. waited in line at Taste of Chicago <laughs> to try For
3: chicken the new,
1: the new, the brand new chicken McNugget. And my my yeah. my much older girlfriend uh was manning the tent. She was a manager, was manning mm. the tent. And I, I remember going down there on like the third of July to visit her, and she, and afterwards she's like, that was the worst eight hours of my life because she was slinging (laughs) McNuggets and all they had on the menu was McNuggets. That was it. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that's how big they were. That's how big the McNugget was. When it debuted, they actually had, they, they actually had a tent at taste of Chicago. Wow. Yeah. So people, I mean, yeah, people would wait in line uh, that year like you know for their for their exotic stuff like turtle soup and then like next door, let's try these brand <laughs> chicken new chicken McNuggets McNuggets and they were new they were brand new nobody had heard of them before and they were like in like they were you couldn't keep them off the shelf they were crazy mm-hmm. um but yeah the the, uh, the, the 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 no Burger King's Burger King's uh uh, uh, uh chicken fries are not very good uh, but the yeah you're right the Wendy's nuggets are great Wendy's in the fast food realm Wendy's nuggets are really good oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you ever tried the Arby's chicken slider? Uh, I wasn't even aware that that was a thing. Did, were you aware that? It's, it's in this I didn't article.
3: either. Um, I didn't either, but the the picture that they're using is just a big old chicken tender.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: cheese on it. On yeah. a bun. On a I bun. mean, I guess that's fine, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, and I've never I've never I've never tried it. I mean, I know that they have chicken sandwiches, a variety of chicken sandwiches at Arby's. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I've never tried the chicken slider and I do have to say that this this picture that they have in the article that we're looking at makes it look awfully uh boring you know what I mean like yeah, it really. looks
3: really sad yeah <laughs> it's very it's very like there's no color to it. it's all right. just beige
1: it, it, it's exactly right even the cheese is beige like you look at it you're like yeah, yeah. I don't beige even know what it, cheese It's a depressing sandwich yeah mm mm-hmm. Uh the Arby's chicken slider we have
3: the meats. See, and yeah. I like, I like, I used to go to Arby's and I would get their, um, their market sandwiches.
2: Yeah.
1: So
3: I'd get a chicken salad sandwich.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Arby's still they rules. They were quite man. nice. They're just, they're impossible to get to. There's one in the loop.
3: hmm
1: There's one in the loop, and and I, because there used to be a ton of them in the city that I would go to. Oh, All yeah. I love Arby's. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love Arby's. I love them. I love the beef and cheddar. The the you know the curly fries everybody loves the curly fries you got yeah the those curly fries are just fantastic oh my god and the potato cakes and the, like mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. goddamn Arby's rules and I don't and I don't care what kind of meat it is or if it's meat at all like I don't, I don't, even, I don't <laughs> it's even, good well they, it's meats it's they have the meats um, just doesn't I, tell you what kind of meat no exactly you don't know meats. what I don't know what, what what the definition of meats is but they have them. Um, yeah, they're
3: like, "Why question me?" It's funny it's because, I,
1: I as I was watching the new um, uh, Mission Impossible movie, which, by the way, mm-hmm. kicks every ass possible. It's great. Um, I just, you know, I just kept waiting for Ving Rames at some point during the mission to say, "We have the meats," like after they. <laughs> <laughs> but he he doesn't he.
3: Yeah, I don't and know the, if uh, Arby's exists in the Mission Impossible World.
1: Uh, <laughs> well it should. Where else are they gonna get their, their uh you know, I mean they have to they have to get their nutrients for the for the mission, you know. That's true. Tom Cruise has to hang off the side of a mountain, you know. I mean he 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 should the at least only way. have some meats before he <laughs> before he does it. Oh man. All right. Well, uh so the chicken um slider from Arby's not good. Mm-hmm. No, right. uh, and then next they they have on this is the worst fast food items the chicken nugget for Burger King. So you chose the chicken fries, and this article right. chooses the chicken nuggets, which I, I don't, don't think remember
3: and the chicken nuggets. I
1: I have, and I I think they're fine. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. just I mean, because listen, here's the thing: like chicken nuggets are as generic and basic as you can get, so you, it's really hard to fuck up chicken nuggets. Yeah! 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 You know, and, and, and it's his base. It's a it's a chicken nugget. So I I don't know why they would specify Burger King specifically. But Yeah.
3: Oh well it says that they are not crispy like a McNugget, which you have to have a crispiness to the nugget. Yeah, the
1: the the the, the breading or the coating has to be kind right. of a, you gotta do a little when you bite into it. If yeah. it's
3: not, then like why am I eating this? Yeah. I'll just eat a chicken sandwich.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Or yeah. Um, now what about this? Now the next one on here, Esmeralda. Tell everybody what the next one mm-hmm. here is. Uh,
3: chicken Stars. <laughs> this this uh, this list is really going for the nugs. Carl's Junior's <laughs> Chicken the, Stars.
1: Going for the nugs. I remember the last time somebody went for my nugs. No! Was, <laughs> uh, by the way, coincidentally, I it was people were going for my nugs when I had the Soul Patch. That was the most nugs. Oh wow. That was the most nug action I ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. All right, so the chicken stars. Now, what do they say about the chicken stars, which are by from? By the way, we can't get them here in Chicago because they're at Carl's Jr. We don't have Carl's right. Jr. Right? Yeah, that's a Coast. I
3: don't think we do. Yeah, I don't but think I, we do. I feel like I've seen commercials for Carl's Jr. Yeah, no, you you well, do. It's, so Carl's Jr. is like a they also have well we, there's no hardees anymore is there
1: right no they and they're the same company hardees and carl's yeah. junior are the same company you would see hardees every once in a while in and around the chicago area mostly at like truck stops and stuff when you when you're mm-hmm. driving it was mostly like a truck stop place like oh there's a hardees and you would find it and i guess if you do a road trip to a different state you might be able to find a hardees when you're on the road or a carl's junior but that's that's a very california based uh company
3: yeah yeah, yeah, we don't we don't have any. Um, and I
1: remember I remember seeing um, one of my favorite movies of all time is this this lovely movie about divorce with Al, Albert Finney and Diane Keaton called Shoot the Moon. Mm-hmm. And when I was seventeen years old, sixteen years old when it came out, I was obsessed with it for some reason because I'm we I'm a weird kid. I was a weird kid. Like all my friends were going to the theater to see Raiders of the Lost Ark over and over again. I'm like I'm gonna go see this Albert Finney Diane Keaton divorce movie again. See you later. <laughs> see you later. Wow. And there's a scene in the movie where he takes the kids. He's got the kids because it's a divorce movie, so he's got the he's got the daughters for like one day, mm-hmm. the husband, and he takes them through the drive-through. And I remember he takes them through the drive-through at Carl's Jr. And I remember being sixteen, going, "What the fuck is Carl's?" I remember like being like completely baffled by what Carl's whatever Carl's Junior was. I'd never heard of it yeah. before.
3: Yeah, they don't. The closest one, I guess, would be Oklahoma.
1: Yeah. So. I'm guessing it's not worth going to Oklahoma for their chicken stars. What do they say about the? T- t- right. Like- well,
3: this is what I'm baffled by is that they're a breakfast item.
1: Wait, what? They are?
3: It says worse than any single breakfast item. Wait. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's a breakfast.
1: It's a breakfast Why item. Why would you
3: compare it to the breakfast?
1: They do, and they, they compare it in the article. I just looked at this, to French toast dips. So so either you have French toast dips or chicken stars, I guess, in the morning at a Carl's Jr.?
3: Maybe, hmm. I don't know. Maybe that. I we shouldn't go there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they did have a Carl's Jr., I don't know. So stay away from the chicken stars if you're in Oklahoma. That's what we're saying. That's yeah.
3: Don't get don't get chicken stars.
1: Don't get chicken stars Uh, if you're in Oklahoma at a Carl's Jr. Yeah,
3: they have a. You can get a six piece or a nine piece chicken stars combo, but they also have hand breaded chicken tenders.
1: Mm. Now do they say good things about much the hand? I rather hand- have those. Those sound better. Handbreaded chicken tenders sound like real chicken. Chicken stars sounds like, you know, I don't know what chicken shaped like a star. Or is Yeah, there- <laughs> I'm looking
3: at the website and it's and they say five-piece handbreaded chicken tenders. Yeah. That and sounds trademarked.
1: Much- <laughs> it's trademarked. They have a trademark they have,
3: on they have trademarked, I guess hand Hand breaded breaded chicken tenders get out of here they
1: have trademarked that that's amazing all right uh yeah
3: but premium all white meat chicken hand dipped in buttermilk lightly Mm. breaded and fried to a golden brown wow all right that sounds very nice and i'm sure they're more expensive than the
1: than the chicken chicken stars stars. yeah uh sorry honey we can't we can't afford the chicken tenders we got to get the stars today dad it's not even breakfast you know like what (laughs)
3: Yeah, they just say crispy star-shaped chicken nuggets.
1: Wow. Okay. I, I, and I'm that st-
3: also is trademarked. Chicken star. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everything from Carl's Jr. is trademarked. Okay. All right. I just—I'm still baffled by the fact that they sell those. That's a breakfast item. Can, you can—you uh, can't well, get. Well, it doesn't you can't look
3: ch- like it. It doesn't like they don't have it specifically under breakfast. So I don't know why they.
1: In the article, it says that they – yeah, so they screwed yeah, up Yeah, the they're like I'm comparing just thinking, it to the – I'm just thinking, how pissed are people when they get there at 11.01 a.m. and can't get Chicken Stars? Like, what the fuck you mean I can't get Chicken Stars? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. All right, well, there's more in this article uh, of which we will do next time. Let's talk more about mm-hmm. these bad fast mm-hmm. food items. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so if you want to go to uh, Thailand to get 20 slices of slightly melted American cheese between yes. two, between a bun – uh, there you go. Three dollars though.
3: Three dollars. It's, yeah, it's,
1: it's worth the flight to. It's worth the flight mm-hmm. to Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> Just think, go you're saving. Burger you're, you're, King. You're saving money on the cheese. You may as well fly to Bangkok. Uh, exactly. So, or, or Thailand. Uh, so anyway, all right. Uh, well, as you know, my dad sometimes uh, not sometimes every Tuesday stops by for a joke. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he's here. Uh-oh. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and oh. I love Nick's oh. show.
1: She changed her shirt. Her shirt her shirt now says Cheese Rules. Okay. Oh. What oh, she's a <laughs> she's a fan. She's a fan of Lactose cheese. fan. Okay. <laughs> All right. Ooh, it's the best part of the week,
2: baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah what I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Next dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go!
1: All right. So my dad tops by every Tuesday to tell a joke. And as well, as you know, he's been getting kind of uh, a little bit dark and a little bit philosophical lately with his jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Dad. What do you got in store for us today? Let's hear it. Hey, officer, how did they the escape? No, not, no idea. They just ran somewhere. Oh God! What? <laughs> what, what? So it.
3: <laughs> can you play? Can you? Uh, yeah, can you Dad. Tell what, Dad can.
1: Dad, can you? He kind of stumbled over that one. Dad, try it one more time. And, and, and I think it's a combination. He's combining things here. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, he's combining. I uh, think this might can, be a thinker. Kidnapping and a heist, I think. So listen, listen. Dad, try it again. Hey, officer, how did they hijack or the escape? No, not, no idea. They just ran somewhere. Hijack and escape, ransom. I guess it's the. He, he's ran using, somewhere. Yeah, ran somewhere. Yeah.
3: So is that a pun?
1: I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> is, <laughs>
3: that, is that a pun?
1: I, I guess it does fall under. If you're going to categorize it, I guess it's a pun.
3: Because that felt like a joke and a pun.
1: It did. It felt like something. I don't know if I'm not...
3: <laughs> if those are two. I don't know if you classify jokes and puns differently. I, I think that might be. Here's what or be. I think Or they're all under I, jokes.
1: I think that might be the chicken stars of a joke. I think that might be a. If, it, if, <laughs> no. if jokes were chicken stars, I think that's what that. Is. That
2: was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke.
1: He will do it again on Tuesday. Um, All right. Uh, Thank you, Esmeralda. You rule the planet um, as always. We'll we'll jump back into the weird uh, fast food items and bad fast food items. And I believe we will probably have a jury duty. Do we? Jury. Do (laughs) we? Story uh, from from Esmeralda. The next time we uh, we chat, so that'll happen. My thanks to uh, Alan Haworth, the great composer sound designer, for joining us. He'll be at Flashback Weekend all weekend on the fourth through the sixth. So. Uh, say hi to him, and he's doing a concert on uh, Saturday night, uh, the 5th. Um, uh, the same uh, night that we are doing our uh, podcast from the, that day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. So my thanks to, uh, to everybody. Uh, you want to be a part of the Nick D podcast? You can uh, leave your voicemail message. Oh, shit. I forgot to do the megaphone. <laughs> to, sorry. Oh, no. God damn. They're backing up. All right. I got to get to them. Remind me next time, Ezra, that I have to get Maybe to Maybe
3: we'll do like two and one. Yeah. Day.
1: We'll try to figure Just out a way to, to catch up. <laughs> so keep yeah. them coming in. We want your mega- megaphone messages and messages. Voicemail message at 773 Email us, podcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Jason Skaggs. You want to be a sponsor? Buy some time. Get your ads uh, on this uh, Networking on this podcast, sales at radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Ed, Radio Misfits. Uh, check out our streaming service at radiomisfits.live. Uh, next time, uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi and I will uh, will actually discuss the Barbie Oppenheimer uh, thing. Oh. We will have seen both movies. They open on Friday. The big Barbieheimer, as they're calling it now.
2: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And
1: we will we will review both Barbie and Oppenheimer. On uh, on uh, the Friday podcast, so there you go. Nice. All right, Aswralda. Great. Uh, good luck with uh, with the jury duty, and keep us posted. Okay. Yes, thank you. Have a have a chicken uh, sandwich, uh, chicken nugget sandwich when you when you.
3: I might. Go. There actually is. I think a Burger King over there. So.
1: Yeah, there probably is. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there are some there are some fast food places around that area. So. Uh, all right. Cool. All right. Well, Aswralda, we'll see you next time. Everybody else, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the Nick D podcast.